When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and let's get things started with the Jack Riccardi Show. Yeah, welcome to the death of democracy, Christian. <laughs> Glad I'm in time. <laughs> yeah, this is it, right here. It's all over. Uh, we were talking about this, Don Cooper and I were talking about this earlier, uh, that, uh, yeah, you know, if you, if, you really, if you really took it all in and you took them all literally, uh, it's all over. It's all over tonight. Democracy's uh, over. Uh, gonna, and, and, and Don said to me, does that mean we will have to vote? We will have, will we have elections if democracy is over? And I said, well, of course not. I mean, we won't need elections. We won't need election night. Uh, we won't need, uh, all the coverage we're going to do tonight. Um, we'll just have President Fetterman, um, you know, telling us how things are going to be. Well, maybe not, actually, I suppose. Does this mean I have to come to work tomorrow? You will not have to come to work tomorrow, no. We'll, we'll just get all our information from the Ministry of Information, and, you know. I was thinking so. if democracy's done, then maybe, yeah, who knows? Because, I, I mean, you can't, yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you're using one of those, one of those uh, you know, uh, key amend, First Amendment rights. I mean, right. it's not going not gonna to be. All right, so obviously we're kidding, and um, who knows what the heck's going to happen. But we're going to hang out here, and I'm glad you're with us, and, and uh, we're just going to kind of take it as it comes. Um, I was thinking today about, uh, you may remember, it was in the first six months, roughly. I didn't look up the date, but sometime in the first six months of, of Joe Biden's presidency, he was asked about inflation, and he said that um, it would be temporary or transitory. Um, and that was the messaging coming out of the White House at that time. The inflation was happening, but it would be transitory. And uh, today, Bloomberg has a story that Biden is irritated by aides who assured him that inflation would go away and, and of course, did not. The Bloomberg story says uh, Biden's irritated that these aides misinformed him. After months of talk about reproductive rights, threats to democracy, climate change, immigration, and crime, the U.S. midterm elections are coming down to the way Americans feel about the state of the economy and, in particular, inflation. The last time voters called inflation the top issue during an election year was in August 1982, and we were in the grips of a deepening recession, Um, and Biden apparently feels that he was poorly served by the people that were advising him. You know, um, I guess my response to that would be, then why have you kept all of them around you? Usually when a president thinks his people have given him bad advice or have a bad handle on things, whether it's, you know, foreign affairs or economics or whatever, he cans them. He's kept all of these people, and he has kept saying the same thing. And I was watching an interview just a few minutes ago on Fox with Ken Langone. Do you know who Ken Langone is? If you don't, he, he we had him on uh, our show I want to say probably about 10 years ago. Fascinating guy. One of the most interesting people I've ever met. He started Home Depot. 
uh, back in the, uh, I want to say it was late 70s or early 80s. He's retired now, um, but he's a very smart guy, and he talks in a very plain-spoken way that belies how, how bluntly honest he is about so many things. So they were interviewing him on Fox, and he was talking about the midterms and the country's in bad shape, and he really hopes people are going to vote and vote correctly. And they asked him, I think it was Neil Cavuto who was talking to him, said, could you start, could you do what you did? Could you start Home Depot today? Could you, could you have done today what you did, I don't know when it was, 1978 or whenever they started that company? And he didn't hesitate. He said, no. We would not be able to do it. The laws would not permit us to do the things we did with just a couple of million dollars and a few investors. We would not have been able to use uh, stock shares. We would not have been able to start this company. We probably wouldn't. If we were those guys today, we probably wouldn't even try. So that tells you something. You need to listen not to the politicians about the economy, but the people that sign the fronts of paychecks, the people that put their own skin in the game. It's a very popular thing today across all media by pundits to say that what's happening right now to the Democrats is bad messaging. So the angle is the Democrats, if they take a beating tonight, were off on their messaging they um, talked about the wrong things. They talked about Dobbs. They talked about January 6th. They didn't talk about or didn't want to talk about inflation and gas prices and crime and what's going on in the schools, and we care about those things. So if they had talked to us about those things, we'd, we'd be voting for them. We'd be reelecting them. And I don't think that's true. Uh, uh, nice try, pundits, but I think, you're, I think you're all wet. Maybe you wish that was true, but let me tell you how it really is. Yes, they chose and rejected topics, but not by mistake. They didn't make an oopsie. They chose and rejected topics because the topics that are on our minds, number one, inflation, represent their policy failures. In fact, not even failures, byproducts of what they've done. They don't want to talk about the things we care about. It's not that they don't know we care. It's that they can't. They can't say they'll fix what they created. They can't say they'll pivot from what they've promised and now delivered on doing. So inflation is a direct result of throwing trillions of dollars into the economy. Gas prices are a direct result of promises and rhetoric about ending fossil fuel. The images of rioting in our cities in 2020, which was permitted when nothing else was, followed by dangerous, woke prosecutors like the one we have here in Bear County. And the feeling among people on the left and the right that they're not safe in places they used to be, including schools. That's a real thing. And then schools. Now, the school closures inadvertently exposed us to something even more powerful than covid so the schools were closed so that you wouldn't get COVID, they said. But you caught something else. You caught a whiff. You caught a taste of how they're teaching our kids. 
millions of people now know what's in the curriculum because of the school closures. It's crazy. History is going to say this is one of these accidents of history. The people that are going to pay the dearest political price for the school closures are the ones that demanded the school closures. Because now we know what they're up to. And that's really what this election is about. If you think about it, <clears throat> this election is about the parents. This is the parents' election. This was the subject of my Jack Riccardi Just a Minute video at KTSA.com today. This is the parents' election. Because once the parents got energized and, and activated by what was going on in the schools and with the schools, they started acting as parents, not as Democrats or Republicans or progressives or conservatives or Christians or Jews or Muslims or Southerners or Northerners or gun owners or gun haters or any of that. They just started acting as parents. And that's a powerful, massive number of people. You can't piss off all the parents without paying a very dear price, pardon my language. And that's what the political cla ruling classes have done. And they've only just begun to reap the, the, the whirlwind of this. I mean, losing, you know, the House of Representatives is not going to be the whole thing. People are going to meetings. People are coming to um, hearings. People are saying, oh, you, you, you told us forever in a day you wanted us involved. We're getting involved. We, we're here to stay because it's about our kids. And our kids are, are everything to us. My daughter is everything to me. You probably are sick of me talking about her, but I, I can't help it. Everything I care about, everything I talk about, everything we, we deal with here comes back to that. And they've awakened that. And that's what this election is about. That's the symbol of this election. Republicans better learn that too. Because we're capable of getting angry with you if you don't do what we are demanding you do. And if you don't understand, or, or if maybe you don't understand right now, but if you don't come to understand the victories you're going to be winning later on tonight, and in the days ahead. See, the Democrats have shown us who they really are. We've now seen it. The Republicans may get a chance to show us who they really are. So I don't know. I mean, don't ask me because I really don't know, like, numbers or how, how many seats in the House. I don't, I don't know. There are people who seem to know, and I don't know if they really do. I'm not really a crystal ball guy. It looks, all indications are, uh, that it should be a very strong night for a lot of Republican candidates. Um, and so the Republicans probably gain a majority in the House, and probably a pretty big one. Possibly gain a majority in the Senate. The thing about the Senate is that if it's 50-50 or 51-49 one way or the other, that's all pretty much the same. Uh, they may pick up a governorship or two. The Republicans actually have a majority of governorships right now. I think they have 28. And there will be a few surprises that you will like and a few surprises that you will not like tonight. I'm pretty sure of that. And the other thing that I think we all know deep down is that as we speak and in the hours to come, uh, there's going to be some shenanigans. There's going to be some 
convenient breakdowns of equipment or breakdowns of the vote count or legal challenges to ballots and eligibility of ballots and all of that. I'm sorry to say, and I think I can say it now, we have not processed, we have not answered the call of what was done during the 2020 election. In some places, yes, but overall, no. So it may take another election that people are mistrustful of. And and we know from many, many, many surveys, I think we can say this, that large pluralities, if not majorities, of people in both parties are worried about the integrity of elections themselves, about the integrity of the count, the score. You know, when you're at a football game, you, you don't doubt the scoreboard. You don't look at the scoreboard and say, I think my team might have another touchdown or an extra uh you know, field goal. You, everyone in the stadium believes the scoreboard. Not everyone in the stadium likes it, but everyone in the stadium believes the scoreboard. Believe it or not, elections used to be like that, and now they're not. And if we don't get that back, then I'm, I'm not sure how we go forward. I mean, I don't mean to sound dire, and I don't want to be one of those idiots that talks about the death of democracy, but, I mean, you, you, you kind of need a scoreboard that you believe in if you're going to play the game. So the way we approach the uh, show on Election Day, if you're new to our show, is we don't have candidates on um, until after the the polls have closed. And um, we don't talk about, you know, what I I would like to respect is that if you are voting today or now, that that's that's the most important thing, and you go ahead and do that. And then after you voted... Uh, we're here to talk. And if you've already voted, we're here to talk. 210-599-5555. So later on tonight, we may catch up with a candidate or two. We may hear a, a victory speech or a concession speech. Although, again, remember that it almost has to be a very comfortable margin for anyone to claim victory or admit defeat on election night. People just, the general thinking nowadays is don't do it. Don't don't concede if it's close because there's all these ways you can challenge it and all these things you can look at and all these different ways people vote and was it right and was it technically correct and and will they find a box of ballots two days from now and all of that stuff. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the thing I was saying about scoreboard? That, that the, Our system pretty much depends on there being a scoreboard. I mean, you could be at a sporting event where there was no scoreboard and you could keep kind of keep track in your head. But you rely on the scoreboard. When you turn on a game on television, the first thing you do is look at the bottom of the screen. Why? Because that's where the score is. Tonight, people are going to be looking at screens and listening to different broadcasts for a score. Problem is, unlike sports, these scores are iffy. We're not sure we believe them. How do you, how do you go forward like that? Would we have made it 250 years if our scoreboard was... Janky? I don't think so. I don't think we possibly could have. 210-599-5555. Now, I stole a, a question from the Trafalgar Group, which is a polling organization. They ask a question every election year, and I asked it as today's JR poll. So here it is. How do you think most of your friends and neighbors will vote? Because it turns out that one of the best ways to predict what people are doing and how they're voting is by what they perceive other people to be doing. Like, of course, they'll tell you what they're doing, but 
there's there's a there's a certain reliability if people feel like their friends and neighbors are going one way or going the other. So how do you think most of your friends and neighbors will vote? I'm not asking you to spy on them. Just what's your what's your gut feeling about that? 210-599-5555. You feel like they're voting for Democrats, voting for Republicans? Not sure. Can't tell. 210-599-5555. So we'll talk about all that. We're talking about the election, the midterm results later on tonight here on KTSA. We'll be obviously looking at local races and some of the big Senate races around the country like Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona. There's another political story that is playing out right now here in San Antonio, if you have not heard this. Uh, City Councilman Clayton Perry is being called on by Mayor Ron Nirenberg to resign immediately. And this is based on a news report from KSAT that police went to Clayton Perry's home after somebody witnessed a vehicle crash on Jones-Malsberger Road. And this witness followed the vehicle, which left the scene of the crash, to a house a short distance away, saw a man get out of the vehicle and go into the house, described him, described his clothing. Police responded to the house, found Clayton Perry, according to the KSAT story, injured and smelling of alcohol. It says um, police did not determine whether he was intoxicated. And he wasn't arrested. But he's been charged with a Class B misdemeanor, failure to stop and give information in an accident. According to KSAT, Ron Nirenberg, Mayor Ron Nirenberg, says, quote, if the details in the police report are true, Councilman Perry should resign. We have called Councilman Perry. Uh, So that's happening today in the midst of all of this. We'll talk about that as well. And we'll keep tracking that story. I know our... Newsroom is working on it. Every newsroom in the city is working on it. Uh, 210-599-5555. Christian is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Christian, good afternoon. How you doing? Hey, I uh, had a quick question. Uh, me and a couple buddies are up here in El Paso, Texas. Uh, we're from down south around the Corpus Christi area between Corpus and San Antonio. And uh, we wanted to cast our votes, and we were told that we were not allowed to vote. Uh, because we weren't in our county, and uh, it's past early voting. We didn't realize that. So basically, this being a Beto area, more or less, we just wanted to make sure that we didn't get uh, denied a chance to vote or something, you know, kind of fraud. No, you have to vote in your county. You have to vote in your county. Yeah, see, we didn't even realize that. Okay, well, we just wanted to make sure and and square with that. Okay. All right, Christian, thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, 210-599-5555. I think everybody wants to know specifically about, well, obviously, the the key races in their community and and in their state. But then everybody is kind of wondering about what will it all mean in terms of the the makeup of the the next Congress. And how will it be close or will it be uh, lopsided? And will we have what's called divided government? Will we have essentially... Uh, Democratic president, but such a majority of Republicans in the Congress that they limit one another. And you might have heard me mention earlier there was a um, 
an interview with Ken Langone, the founder of Home Depot on Fox News, and uh, they asked him about divided government, the, the, the likelihood that there'll be a Republican Congress and a Democratic president, and it'll be hard to get things done. And he, his response was, good. We're better off when it's hard for Washington to get things done. Wouldn't you agree that the problem we've had the last few years is that it's been way too easy to get things done? It's been way too easy for a vocal minority of people to get what they wanted quickly and without debate and shutting down dissent. So if that if that is slowed down, if that is made more deliberate, good, I would say. Uh, 210-599-5555. All right, we have a developing story in the voting right now. We're bringing in uh, Bear County Elections Administrator Jackie Callanan uh, because there is a CPS energy outage that is affecting some of the voting. And, uh, Jackie, thank you for coming on on what is the busiest day of your life. I appreciate that. Um, tell <laughs> well, us what's going on. This partnership. I'm pleased that we have this partnership that I, I can am reach too. out. Uh, CPS has, has an outage of 67 different sites that's affecting about 1,200 people, customers, and we've heard from four of our sites that have no power. Hidden Forest, Hartman Center, Hill Country Village, and Hebner Elementary. Now, please, the voters that are there, all of our equipment has battery backup. The batteries are to work for up to three hours based mm-hmm. on the usage. So I just so appreciate you getting the word out for us. And if maybe voters are driving to one of those locations, they can go to another site. They can check mm-hmm. our website mm-hmm. for one of our vote centers because, again, you've been so good at telling people they can vote anywhere in the county. They don't have to vote in their home precinct. Right. But I appreciate you allowing me to jump on here and get some information out. So let me just make sure I understand, because I know you got to go, but th- those centers are able to operate on battery, but if people are heading for them, you would recommend they head for a different location? Yes, if, if possible. Again, um, and, and hopefully our partners at CPS will have the power on very shortly. Okay, can you but, read those uh, four again to us? Please, Hidden Forest Elementary, Hill Country Village, City Hall, the Hartman Center, and Hebner Elementary. Those are the four that sent us messages, and then we went on to the CPS. They've got that great center that they have. So uh, we would appreciate, and and thanks for the partnership that allows us to get the word out right away. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jackie. You we'll, we'll, we'll be talking to you later. Thank you very much. Jackie Callanan, Bear County right. Elections Administrator, uh, letting us know that uh, CPS Energy has an outage affecting four centers, voting centers, Hidden Forest, Hill Country Village, Hartman Center, uh, which is their offices, and um, uh, Hebner Elementary. And that, uh, as she mentioned, if you're a Bear County uh, resident, you can vote in, at any of the... Uh, election sites in Bear County. You have to be a Bear County resident, of course. But we had a gentleman call last night and ask that question, too. Um, in, the, in the old days, you would have to know your precinct. You'd have to look at your voting card or look up your address. You'd have to know your precinct number. And it was, it was funny because sometimes your precinct voting location 
wasn't physically the one closest to your house, but it was the one you were supposed to go to geographically, and, and people had to do that, but now you don't. So, And apparently, from what I was reading, that is a county-by-county county thing in Texas, so not every county has it, but Bear County does. We'll keep you posted on that outage as we get more information about it. 210-599-5555 as we talk uh, midterms 2022. David is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. David, good afternoon. Hi, Jet. This is David. I talked to you yesterday um, briefly, and I had mentioned how I was worried about uh, weird stuff happening during this election time. And then uh, watching the news or watching uh, watching channels on the Internet, they're telling they're saying that 20 percent of voter machines in Arizona are suddenly having problems. But to worry, I just after all the hassle of the presidential election, you would think that they would have put so much time to make sure this doesn't happen again. And it's happening right before our eyes once again. I just wonder why it happens to be in the states where there's all this, you know, Arizona, Nevada, whatever, uh, Pennsylvania. I wonder if this is going to be a trend. It's pretty scary. Uh, I wonder who's controlling the narrative. And Mm -hmm. I'm just really worried, and I wanted to uh, make sure that you keep that in center. Okay. Yeah, we're we're, we're keeping an eye on that. There's a, there's a handful of these things going on around the country. Um, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate it, David. Um, there's a a place in Kansas where the paper ballots are not fitting into the scanner. There's there are actually a number of uh, places around the country where power has been interrupted at polling places. I think I read that. There's a hurricane heading for Florida, although it looks like it'll probably the voting will probably be done before the storm, uh, the outer edges of that storm gets there. But I mean, you know, I'm not dismissing it. You should absolutely wonder about all this. And as I said at the beginning, I have a real concern about scoreboard. I'm I'm willing to be realistic. It's we're a huge country, 300 million people, gazillion polling places. Obviously, the odds are that any on any election, some fraction of them would have problems it does seem like they are always in the states that we are watching most closely i i don't know if that's coincidence i don't know but i i I think you're right to i heard somebody say uh on another show that um when you go to vote you probably already have by now but when you go to vote just keep your eyes open ask questions um report stuff that you don't think is right or that you're not clear on um we we have to keep voting and we have to keep watching the voting we are the best answer to the concerns david and i and and you probably have we are the answer to that okay you can have election observers you can have you know we could bring in people from other countries i guess we've done that right we've we've been observers in other countries elections you could you could bring in people but i mean we're really the ones that have to that have to do this these are our elections, and if we're not feeling right about them, um, that is a legitimate thing, and that is something that is. Don't let anyone tell you that that's sort of not okay to talk about or shouldn't be talking that way. You know, please. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't understand how anyone. I understand why they would try to shut you up. I don't understand why anybody would let themselves be shut up. And I'll use another analogy. If you looked at your bank statement 
and uh, there wasn't as much money in your account as you thought there should be, would you say, "Well, it's really not my place"? I, you know, I'm I'm not a banker. I don't I don't know what they're doing. I'm sure they I'm sure they know what they're doing. You'd ask. You damn well would ask. And that's what we need to do. The election police are you and me, all of us. 210-599-5555. I thought it was interesting. I, I, I won't say I know that this has never happened before because maybe it has happened before, but I thought it was a bit peculiar, or maybe not, that President Biden called, or the White House, uh, to be precise, called a lid on President Biden this morning around 11 o'clock. He has no public events. He is not, uh, has not been seen or heard from since this morning. And uh, he's not out there last-minute campaign. Normally, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think usually, it, you know, whether it was President Trump, President Obama, um, can- candidates, you know, if you're the, if you're the uh, candidate of your party, you're running for president, usually you're busy. You're, you know, you're right down to the wire. And even if you shake a few more hands, just a few more, even if it's just psychological or people see that you're, you're still, you know, he's still out there working. I think I know why, though. Um, I, I don't think Joe Biden can help Joe Biden at this point. This country is in a mess, not by accident, not because of Putin. <laughs> it, it didn't blow in with the, with the wind like the Saharan dust. Um, we have had a disastrous presidency that has embodied policies that this guy did not ever support before, was not associated with. We got, as I said yesterday, we got the Bernie Sanders presidency with everything in it but Bernie Sanders. And Biden is the fraud or the, 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 the stand-in. And that's one of the reasons he has trouble messaging it, and it's one of the reasons people don't quite believe him, because this isn't really his deal. I know you, some people want to believe that it is. You're so mad, and I get it, and I don't, I don't, I won't take that away from you, but I am firmly convinced part of his problem in expressing himself is that when you have to rep ideas that are not yours and never were, it's unfamiliar. It's like looking at a script for the first time. You don't deliver it well the first time because you've not read through it. It's not familiar material to you. On the other hand, when it's what you've always believed, you can throw the script away. And I think he's, I, th- I just don't think he can help himself at this point. And so there's no point him being anywhere but in the White House awaiting these results. Wrapping with Jack is underway, and we're working with, with uh, Family Service Association again this year. Um, we are helping them help the families that they serve all throughout the year. And these are folks here in our community that have been knocked down by job loss, illness, death of a parent, loss of, of a house different things they these are people that are trying to get back on their feet so they're not just sitting around hoping waiting but while they're doing that they're having to make some hard decisions and in a lot of these families the decision is going to be well we're just not going to be able to have christmas or at least in the sense of we can have christmas but we can't do christmas presents and so what we're asking you to do is donate at ktsa.com 
or pick up some of the gifts that we have listed on the Wrapping with Jack page at KTSA.com. You can shop and drop them off with our sponsors. You can shop right off an Amazon wish list that's right there, or you can donate money if you're not into shopping. And your generosity means that somebody who has already been told Santa's not coming to this house will have something to unwrap on Christmas Day. If that sounds good to you, we hope it does, uh, go to KTSA.com, click on the Wrapping with Jack logo and then join us for the big wrapping the gift party on december 6th from 6 to 8 we'll be at blue bonnet palace in selma wrapping with jack 2022 is presented by quarter moon plumbing heating and air conditioning family service association and ktsa i'm talking about the midterms the voting is still underway here in texas and all around the country and certainly there are no results anywhere yet uh but what about that scoreboard and what do we do if Increasingly, we're not sure about what's on it. Jerry is on KTSA. Hi, Jerry. Hey, hello. Yeah, I was hoping anyone could give me one good reason, I guess, as a Republican, why we would think Democrats would support a fair election and get behind the results of, of a fair election, because I just don't see it. This this administration for the last two years is lawless. It's criminal, it's unfair, and lacks common sense. So why why would we think they would support an, an election that's fair? Certainly that rules on the side of Republicans. Well, I don't think that they run the election. The elections are all run locally. Some of them are run by Democrats, some of them are run by Republicans. But the administration is not running these elections. Yes, but they've got all, they've got a lot of power. They got a lot of money and big okay. tech, and we've we've seen what that what they do. I agree. With that. I agree. But I I mean that the answer is, um, and that's what I said earlier. The best you can do is vote and keep your eyes open and your ears open and call attention to and flag anything that doesn't look right to you. Because if if there is shenanigans, that we have to catch it. Otherwise, if you're asking me, should you give up because you're a Republican and you can't win, I'm not going to tell you that, Jerry. You'll have to call another show for that. But th- that's my answer. Uh, I wouldn't do that, of course. But I'm just an average guy. I'm not going to spend time at, at the polling places. I wouldn't really know what. But you do for. spend time at the polling places because you're there voting. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I go in and I go out and I focus on me and my vote, not not anything else. I wouldn't know what okay. to look. But if for, you I saw just... something that didn't look right, or you heard about something that didn't sound right, what would you do with it? I don't know. <laughs> never... That's an honest answer. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I, I don't. I don't know what. Then I really. I guess I really don't have an answer for you, Jerry. I guess. I guess. I guess. Just be very. Be very suspicious and be very doubtful. But for people that want to, they can. They can certainly be the eyes and ears of their local uh, precinct or voting location. They can raise holy hell if they see something they don't think is right, and not just at the polling place, but anywhere. But we, you know, after the votes are cast, after the votes are counted, you know, if you're watching election returns on television and you see the numbers go down instead of up, these are the things that we all need to be uh, awake to. You, you don't look at a scoreboard in the at a, at a football game that way. You don't think anything is going on behind the scoreboard. You presume it's absolutely accurate and nobody's going to make a mistake. Nobody's going to cook the books. But he, here you have to you have to wonder about that. Um, that's why I was saying, if you were made cynical by the last couple of elections and how they went, then your your battle is local. Your battle is not 
to go to the the Capitol or to the White House or to Washington, D.C. Um, your involvement, your call to action is local um, because that's where elections are administered. And whatever the shenanigans are, if there are any, they have to be fed in there. Four of the polling places here in Bear County having a power outage that was just reported to us about half an hour ago by Jackie Callan and the Bear County Elections Administrator. She's rejoining us now on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. Uh, what's what's the latest on those polling places, Jackie? Uh, the CPS, we have one of them back up. Uh, Hidden Forest has said they're back online. Okay. So we're still waiting for the, for the other three. Um, but again, thanks for your help on that and getting the word out. So they work, it's but a- uh, it would be better if people are, are leaving, just getting out of work now. It would be better to head for something other than these three, which are Hill Country Village, Hartman Center, and Hebner Elementary. If those were your intended site, just go to the near- next nearest one, right? Yes, please. That that would help us tremendously because even though our equipment may be on batteries and, and we're able to function, I'm not sure right. about like what what security lights or whatever they have in those facilities um, and how far back like in the school it's set up you know so if we're anxious right. to, to see how right. that goes right um so how are things going generally that. everywhere else how's everything else uh, progressing today it's it's been a really good day uh you know we started out this morning and i'm the first one to say you know we have our our little bumps in the morning till everybody gets their sea legs because uh, we're loading up and turning on 302 computers. And uh, so we, ha- we had a couple of trials and tribulations to get those all set up. But, you know, everything was working. And even if the laptop was not working, uh, the, the voters were able to be processed. They were able to be processed manually. And that worked just ter- terrifically. So we were really, really pleased with that. Now, throughout the day, we have been averaging about 11,000 voters an hour uh, ever since we started at seven o'clock this morning. And it is, are you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just, yeah. And it just seems to have picked up a little bit this last hour. Yeah. So from four to five o'clock, it's, it's jumped up by 14,000 instead of 11. I would think we would have some really busy, uh, sites the next couple of hours as people leave work what although a lot of people did as as has been pointed out a lot of people had the day off but if you did work and you're getting out of work this is this is the time you're voting jackie for people that uh haven't voted yet um will they see anything noticeably different in the process from two years ago to now no they 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 will not i mean again for those our regular voters and the voters who voted in 2020 they recognized that that was the first election we did not have a straight ticket we are getting a lot of questions today with voters mm-hmm. asking where's the straight party ticket um but that this is the second general election that has not had mm-hmm. one so that that seems to be literally the only thing that would be different um we're still using photo id we're still asking the voters to bring their driver's license um we're still i hate that word issues but we're still having some challenges. I guess that's a better word. Where some of the voters, uh, when they step to the qualifying table and they're asked for their ID, um, they turn their cell phones to, to the election officials and say, here's my driver's license. Um, we didn't realize how many people have their whole life in their cell phone. 
Mm. And uh, obviously, we can't take that. We need to see the official driver's mm. license. And so that's, okay. that's been part of, you know, I don't want to say concerned, but, you know, that's been part of it. Right. Um, dis- disappointed people, when we tell them they have to go back out to their car to get their driver's license. Right. Well, all in all, I'd say for all the, the, the volume of voting, uh, it does sound like it's gone pretty well. We'll continue to ask people to, um, until they get the power back, uh, avoid Hill Country Village, Hartman Center, and Hebner Elementary polling places, but plenty of others. And if you're a Bear County resident, any polling place can be your, your place to vote. And Jackie, we'll check back with you. I know it's busy for you, but thank you for making time for us. No, great job. I enjoyed this partnership. Thanks, Jack. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, 512. On San Antonio's News Talk Station 550 and 1071 KTSA on the JR poll asking you, how do you think your friends and neighbors are voting? Do you get a sense of what's going on out there based on other people? Um, I, I think that's harder. That's a, that's a question, by the way, that I borrowed from the Trafalgar people. But I think that's harder to, to, to judge than it used to be. I, I, I really, and, and I will say this again, not to be all nostalgic, but it used to be that, that people, um, shared their, uh, you know, their preferences. Not everybody, and not everybody did it the same way. Um, but I think in this current climate, a lot of people feel that they don't want anyone to know how they vote. They don't want anyone to come at them with a debate, a challenge, a, a heckle, whatever. And so... I, I would imagine that question, which Trafalgar has been asking for years, that's probably harder to answer now than ever before. But if you want to take a crack at it, our JR poll is at KTSA.com, and it's on the 550 KTSA Facebook page um, as well. So we will be um, watching the local races tonight. As I mentioned, we're obviously interested in the governor's race. We're interested in these congressional races here in South Texas. Um, Henry Cuellar's seat is in play very much. Uh, he, he is, he has had Democratic primary challenges that were contentious, but now he is also having a Republican challenger that's contentious. Um, and we're looking obviously at the, you know, down ballot races, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and you're voting in the JR poll. Uh, how do you think your friends and neighbors will vote? If you can even tell, I think it's harder to, I think it's harder to get a sense of that. Everybody's keeping it close to the vest. Um, and I, I, it may be hard for you to believe, but at one time, um, if strangers got on an elevator or were in a waiting room, this was the kind of thing people did chit-chat about. And I think a lot of people now, there, there's still some people that would do it, but I think a lot of people now would think, I'm not telling somebody I don't even know. I'm not going to get into that with somebody I don't even know. But people used to do that. It says something about politics that we're more reluctant to do that now. Uh, 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com. We're joined by one of my favorite people on the entire interweb, uh, Ed Morrissey at hotair.com, uh, who's been with us many, many times over the years and many, many election nights, uh, Ed, over the years. Um, it feels like hundreds of them, but I know it wasn't that many. But good to have you back. I've been following everything you're um, writing about, and particularly uh, these Senate races, um, what would be your best guess right now about the control of the U.S. Senate? 
you know, if I had to pick, I'd say Republicans are going to get control of it, maybe 52 seats. And I don't have a firm this one. Yes, that one. No sort of thing. But I think that the I think that's kind of where we're going with this. Right. Is that we're seeing uh, a, a big surge in Republican enthusiasm. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to show up the same in every um, state in every House district, though, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. What happened to Mitch McConnell saying he thought he was kind of throwing cold water on control of the Senate and concerns about quality of candidates? Um, was he wrong or did something change? No, I mean, I think that he was uh, probably a little um, uh, concerned because, you know, a couple of the candidates that got in there were really part of the Democrats' Aiken strategy, right? They were trying to get radicals nominated so they could run easy um, campaigns against them by pointing out that they were, you know, extremists or deniers or, or that sort of thing. And the problem is, is I think it backfired because in most of these instances, when you get these guys up on the on the stage, they sound pretty reasonable. And secondly, it's a just a uh, the hypocrisy I think is just too transparent, and voters just simply aren't aren't responding to that. In fact, you know CNN just released its exit polls, and they were discussing the exit polls, and the threat to democracy thing didn't even show up on the issue list. Not even mm-hmm. for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Not even for Democrat voters. Didn't show up yeah. on the issue list. Yeah. No, it felt that felt very, very uh, manipulative and, and, and sort of desperate. And, and I wanted to ask you, because a lot of the spin today, Ed, is that um, if Democrats had only tweaked their messaging, they just got the messaging a little off. But in, in fact, yeah. it really isn't it isn't messaging that the things people do care about, the issues that are at the top of the list in every survey are direct results of their policies. They can't, it's not that they can talk about it in a better way. They own it. This, this is about outcomes, right? This is about outcomes. It's the outcome of inflation. It's the outcome of crime. It's the outcome of a border crisis. It's the outcome of um, all sorts of different things, gas prices, you know, which is part of inflation. Um, it's about outcomes. It's not about messaging. And the problem is that they won't talk about the outcomes. They insist on sticking with messaging which is the reason why you get the democracy in peril thing. There's no democracy is not in peril. We're having an election um, and people are voting for the candidate that they want to vote for. And that's actual democracy. That's actually how it's supposed to work. So the idea that it's, it's only a democracy if Democrats win these elections is, I think, really anathema to Americans' concept of what America is. And so the messaging here is not really the issue. And to the extent that they're messaging at all, it's probably, contra- you know, it's, it's probably not helping. But it's really about outcomes. It's, it's this in, it, economic environment that we're in, this cultural environment that we're in, where you have all these cultural disconnects, where you have, you know, uh, men can get pregnant, you know, that sort of thing. You know, most Americans look at that and go, well, that's just crazy. You know, the, all of that stuff just combines up to have this sort of uh, this image or this concept of an elite clique that is running this country that is mm-hmm. not really connected to the voters. And I think that that's what we're going to see in this in this midterm cycle. I, I, I believe that's what we're going to see. As a Time with Ed Morrissey from HotAir.com. He also does a radio show. Um, he does everything. Ed does everything. And, that's, and, and he does our show. So we love him. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, when the Dobbs decision came down this summer, 
that that now in retrospect kind of looks like the Democrats high watermark. They they really thought we have something here. Uh, this even though you could see it coming from a mile away, it seems to have galvanized and shocked our base. Um, and I, I have no doubt that there are many um, people, and, and probably not all of them in the Democratic Party, that are concerned about their state's abortion laws or the direction abortion laws are going. But it's like they thought nothing else would matter. And yet you and I have watched many elections, a bad economy, inflation, you know, feeling squeezed where you don't know how many groceries you can put in the cart. That always matters. You know, I've been saying this for months now. It's the daily lived experiences of Americans that are really going to matter in this election cycle. And the daily lived experience of Americans right now is inflation and crime. And uh, and, I mean, those are the big ones. Uh, Education is another one, which is sort of uh, even a little bit maybe ambiguous as to what the impact is going to be. But we saw that in um, 2021 uh, in the in New Jersey and Virginia, you know, the education issue and the radical radicalization of uh, kids' curricula turned Virginia red, which was amazing. I mean, the Republicans swept the, the constitutional offices there, and it almost derailed Phil Murphy in New Jersey, who was supposed to win that race by double digits, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the polling. Uh, and again, this is this is, again, sort of that cultural disconnect that you're talking about. The reason why Democrats didn't want to talk about inflation is because Democrats caused inflation. Uh, they spent a ton of money that they didn't have to spend. They didn't fix supply chains. They made they made that situation much worse than it had to be. And they've been ignored. They were ignoring inflation. They've been ignoring the supply chain crisis uh, for months before they finally had felt pressured into doing something about it. And then when they did, they spent more money on climate change and just called it inflation reduction, which is absurd. And uh, the disillusionment from that has backfired on them. I mean, this is, this is really not, it's it's really not a doctoral thesis to say the economy and crime, when you have high rates of inflation or you have a recession and when you have high rates of crime, those are the things that are going to matter to voters, and you better be right. addressing those if you expect to win elections. I think, I think what tells you everything you need to know is that there was no closing argument. They, they didn't have what you usually have on Election Day, uh, which was usually the, the president or the leader of the party crisscrossing the country, making the closing argument, and, and Biden, they called a lid on Biden this morning. He's, he's nowhere. Um, if I can just in, the, in a minute or so that we have left, I can just ask you about a few of these Senate races and, and just give yeah. me like a thumbnail. Uh, you wrote just a little while ago over at hotair.com that 538.com is projecting Pennsylvania uh, for Oz. Do you feel pretty good about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's I feel better about it. Um, I, I think that if we're seeing some of the signs that we're seeing right now, that um, Oz may be able to eke out a win. That's going to be tough, though, because Josh Shapiro is at the top of that ticket, and he's going to dominate the gubernatorial governor race. candidate. So yeah. To watch. yeah, yeah. Um, and so conversely, in Georgia, where you have a governor, a Republican governor that's pretty far ahead, uh, Brian Kemp, do you think that helps or is helping Herschel Walker in that Senate race? Yeah, I think the same. I think the same thing applies here, and I think Herschel Walker is has a, a, a different advantage too, because Herschel Walker was 
um, not thought of highly. Uh, they thought that he was sort of a mentally defective guy, but he got on the debate stage and came across as a, as a normal guy. And I think that that was enough to close the sale with people who might have otherwise split the ticket between Brian Kemp and Raphael Warnock. And I think ever since then, you've seen Walker's position improve and strengthen there in the way that the debate really damaged Fetterman's st- uh, chances of winning that race in Pennsylvania. Arizona is another state that has a governor's race and a Senate race. But in the case of the uh, of Arizona, if anything, it might be the size of Carrie Lake's lead for governor that would help the Republican Senate candidate, Blake Masters, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's another one that I think is going to be tough to call, right? Arizona is going to be tough to call. And I think part of what's going to drive that there is probably the, the border crisis. And I think that that's, un, that's an underestimated part of what's going to drive the, the election in Arizona. It's still going to be very close. Yeah. I think Masters can eke that one out, though. It's fascinating to me, in a year when John Fetterman debated, Herschel Walker debated, that Katie Hobbs thought the best thing to do here is not debate. <laughs> I mean, how bad can you be? If in a year when John Fetterman went to a debate, you didn't go. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that is, I mean, but if you hear Katie Hobbs on stage, yeah, you understand yeah. why. Yeah, She's she's just not very good. Um, and Carrie Lake is, she's a reporter. She's been a reporter for 20 years. Yeah. She knows how, she knows her way around a stage and, uh, and a camera and a microphone. Katie Hobbs clearly does not. And you understand exactly why Katie Hobbs was dodging that. What's one state we're not talking about that we should be right now, Ed? I think New Hampshire. I think if you want to see if there's going to be a big wave, you see if Don Bolduck ends up beating Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire. He's gotten close, and that yeah. was not supposed to be close at all. No. Um, so I would and that's an that. example of, of that Aiken strategy you were talking about where they propped up the who they thought was the crazier Republican, and now right. with their propping up, they may wind up electing him. They may wind up putting him in the Senate, right? Chuck Morris would have beaten Maggie Hassan like a drum this cycle, but they threw in a bunch of money to um, to make Chuck Morris look bad and get Don Baldock the, the nomination, and that may end up backfiring on them. And I also think Nevada is going to be good for Republicans. I think that um, I think that Steve Sisolak and I think Catherine Cortez Masto is going to lose mm-hmm. the um, Senate election there as well. That's another one to watch. Ed Morrissey, read him at hotair.com. Always great to have you, Ed. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jack. Fox, Washington, D.C. correspondent David Spunt joining us now in the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. I was saying earlier, uh, David, and it's great to have you back, um, I was saying earlier that it used to be election night was the, the yeah. finish line. It was the you know final score. But elections today dwindle into days and weeks and lawsuits, right? You know, it really seems that way, and and we're still too early at this point in the game to find out because the polls are still closing uh, many places on the East Coast. Of course, uh, Central Time Zone, where you are in Texas, uh, they have not closed yet. However, uh, expect there will be something. There will be some sort of lawsuit, something. This is a big country we live in, hundreds of millions of people, many precincts. So I think that it's probably not unlikely that that would happen we just don't know when they're going to happen. Obviously, two years ago, which was a different kind of election, it was a presidential election, but there was a sense that there was a lot of, you know, kind of uh, people reaching for the legal holster, right? You know, teams of lawyers, 
uh, briefs that had already been put together. They'd already figured out what they were going to challenge, where they were going to challenge. Do you get the same sense as you're covering this tonight that there's the same amount of that, or 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 is it different in some way? You know, I think there's part of it. You're seeing some of that. Part of it, you know, it, it, like like I said, I mean, at this point, it's too early to say where these are going to pop up. However, you know, something interesting. I covered the Justice Department, okay, and the Justice Department purposely tries to stay. Apolitical, of course, DOJ, as we know, we've talked about this before, has been dragged into politics going back many administrations. But DOJ itself has election monitors at many different sites across the country. I'm trying to pull up here specifically to tell you how many are in Texas and how many counties in Texas uh, are involved. But this is something that's not new. This has been going on since the 1960s. I'm looking right now, three counties in Texas, Dallas County, Harris County, in Waller County. I'm not sure where Waller County is, uh, W-A-L-L-E-R. But, you know, the Department of Justice right now has these election monitors. They've had them for 50 years, since the mid-60s. The reason is, you know, to make sure that people's civil rights are not infringed upon. In Florida today, one of the, or the Secretary of State, I should say, uh, Secretary Byrd, uh, told these election monitors they could not come inside. They could only stay outside. So it really depends on what the local jurisdiction says. But as far as any type of, of, of what you're talking about, I wish I could tell you with 100% certainty, I'm sure we'll see more of it as the hours and days wean on. It seems it's going in that pattern. But at this specific hour, so far, things don't seem to be that way. Were you uh, surprised that they called a lid on President Biden this morning and that he is not doing the sort of last-minute cross-country dash that we've seen people do, leaders of parties do in the past? I was. And, you know, I think the reason for that is because the prior multiple presidents we've seen, as you say, in the past. I mean, it it wasn't just President Trump who was going until the last minute. Of course, we know in 2020 he was because his job was up uh, up at stake. Uh, But even in the midterms, we saw a lot of campaigning from him. Uh, His predecessor, Barack Obama, the 44th president, was out a lot. So I think it was a bit unusual that there was a lid. And for people listening, a lid means um, that the press, there's a lid on press coverage, meaning we're not going to see the president anymore in any given day. A lid was called today around the noon hour Eastern time, showing that the Mm -hmm. president was not planning on on doing anything, at least publicly. Of course, a lid, as we call it in the press world, could be lifted, which means if a lid is lifted, they'll say, okay, the president's going to do X, Y, Z. But yeah, I think that's a little surprising. And, you know, there are calls from the White House Press Association, the Correspondents Association, uh, White House Correspondents Association, to get the president to commit to a news conference tomorrow. I mean, typically, going back many years, there, Mm -hmm. there have been a traditional press conference with the president of the United States following uh, the midterms to kind of get where, you know, where the head is of the commander in chief, whether they win or whether they lose. That just does not seem to be happening tomorrow. It could change, but right now the White House has no preview for that, but it may happen. We love having you uh, and appreciate your time on what I know is a very busy day. David Spunt with Fox News, D.C.-based correspondent. David, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, 542 on 550 and 1071 KTSA, and I'm glad you're here, too. I need to mention that. I'm glad you're here. Love having you. 210-599-5555. Um, 
you know, what's interesting, you know, I'm kind of a history buff, and so when you think about uh, the pattern, usually um, the, a, a president's first midterm is not a very good night for him and his party. It just usually isn't. And this goes back decades. The last two Democrats before him, that would be Bill Clinton in 94 and Barack Obama in 2010, had, had really bad midterms. As in control of Congress shifted, balance of power, governors, state houses, you know, state legislatures, big, big, big gains for the Republicans. And both of those presidents had run as centrists and then had gone far left once they got elected. Bill Clinton went far left with Hillary Care. Barack Obama went far left on a number of things. Remember the apology tour, the Cairo speech? So then the midterm happened, and Bill Clinton tacked back to the center and got reelected. I don't think Obama did as obviously as Clinton did. But both of them, in their actions, even if it was more symbolic than real, signaled what what is now called a pivot. Like, okay, we're going to reset our expectations, we're going to shuffle our cards. And the thing about Joe Biden, I don't think he will. Because I'm I'm, I'm bringing this up because David Spunt mentioned, is there going to be a news conference with Biden either tomorrow morning or even tonight? And I, I don't know if there will be, but I don't know what he can say when he does come out. I don't think he can climb down from the positions he's taken and the way he's taken them. How do you go from being the guy with the red lights in Philadelphia to being a guy who is humbled or contrite or says, you know, we really we, we didn't listen. I, I, I need to listen to what people are saying. People are hurting. It's not for me to tell them what to care about. It's for me to hear what they care about. I, I'm not saying he couldn't do it because anything's possible, but I don't think he will. I'm not able to imagine it. And I've seen it before, so I should be able to imagine it, but I just can't. But it's the pattern. Uh, they run as centrists, but then they don't govern as centrists. And how many people have you heard call this show? I've lost count of how many people have called this show over many months and started their conversation with, well, I voted for him, but... And it's always some version of that. I thought he was going to be a uniter. I thought the country would calm down. I thought we'd have less divisiveness. I was tired of the way things were under Trump. I was worried about the way the country was tearing itself apart in the summer of 2020. I just wanted calm. And he absolutely said that was what he represented, and it's what he appeared to represent, but didn't do it. Turned up the heat, made the the divisions deeper, exacerbated them, played them up. You know, for a lot of us, look, we deplore what happened to Paul Pelosi. There's no ambiguity about that. It's terrible. But we also deplore what almost happened to Justice Kavanaugh and the way that was talked about so cavalierly after it happened. We deplore what happened to Rand Paul. We deplore what has happened uh, to numerous people across the political spectrum. 
we can see that you only want to talk about the Pelosi attack, and frankly, now you're not even talking about that. Remember how that was all that mattered when it happened. But because the story has fallen apart, because the 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 way they wanted to use it has proven un, un, undoable. It just isn't it isn't working. It can't be it can't be made to fit. The peg won't be made to fit in the hole. They're not uh, they're not talking about it anymore. Although she did do an interview with uh, Anderson Cooper on CNN, I'm gonna play a little bit for you. But um, we we see all this. We can't not see it. Uh, Brandon Walton's from uh, TexasScoreboard.com on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line right now. Scorecard, excuse me, scorecard, not scoreboard. Well, I guess the story today is the scoreboard, Brandon. But Texas Scorecard. <laughs> I was gonna say um, it's. It's pretty interesting that Governor Abbott tonight, who could be anywhere, is having his, uh, you know, rally, his, his election night rally in McAllen. That tells you a lot about how hopeful the Republicans are about those, uh, you know, border congressional races, right? Yes. I mean, this is going to be a cycle where one of the one of the most interesting stories that we're going to be following tonight TexasScorecard.com, and of course, a lot of people are following this election, is what happens down in South Texas. Uh, this is an area that has been represented uh, by Democrats solely for, uh, for decades and decades. And now, uh, not only do you have currently a Republican congresswoman down there in Myra Flores, but you actually have three competitive seats there for Congress. You have another uh, potentially competitive uh, seat for the Texas Senate. This is part of a big shift that we're seeing in South Texas as more and more Republican voters uh, are, are turning out there. So um, what does your gut tell you about uh, not only Myra Flores, but Monica De La Cruz, Cassie Garcia, these others? Um, I mean, if, is it a case of, you know, if one of them wins, they're probably all winning or are they in different places? How do you read that? I think uh, I think if I had to rank them, I'd say Myra Flores probably the safest. Uh, one of the big reasons being that she is an incumbent, even if she's only been there for a little while, and so she certainly gets a boost from that. I think you look at the De La Cruz seat, that's one that's been drawn for this uh, specific purpose. I think um, that she's somebody who uh, I think will likely get in. And look, if we have a really big night, and we're going to know, you know, pretty soon here as, as polls start to close really across the country. Um, you know, if, if nationally there is a really, really big red wave, um, I think that really there's there's none of those seats is off limits. I think uh, all three of those could potentially go Republican. You know, a lot of the same things that are happening in the uh, border counties in Texas are also happening in Florida, where you're seeing potentially historic, you know, shifts from the Democrats to the Republicans. And there was an analyst in Florida Brandon, who actually said, I'm going I'm to hopefully get the quote right, he couldn't understand why Hispanic voters were acting like white working class voters, to which I would respond, uh, why wouldn't they? Yeah, and this is a part of a national trend that, that even goes back to our election two years ago. Uh, I was reminded earlier when I uh, was watching a little bit of the results come in on the TV that you had uh, you know, in Miami-Dade County, right, in Florida, you had a massive shift, literally uh, uh, Trump performed 14 points, I think, better in 2020 than he did in 2016. Uh, so we'll see tonight if that if that continued shift uh, uh, continues to play out. 
Speaking of the governor, as we were, um, he's led in every poll, but the lead has fluctuated a lot. Um, you guys were uh, reporting a um, uh, a poll done by Defend Texas Liberty PAC, which showed him with a double digit lead. Is that do you, are you feeling good about that? Yeah, I think uh, I think that particular poll had had, had Abbott up by eleven percent. I think the margin of error was, was about 3% in that poll. And I think that's going to be about right. I think the big question is going to be not whether uh, the statewide Republicans win. I think that all the polls show that. Um, but I think the question is going to be, what is that margin, right? Why does, uh, does Abbott uh, get double digits over, over Beto O'Rourke? If Beto O'Rourke can get close to him, does that mean, Brandon, that maybe a reasonable pro-business anti-shut-everything-down Democratic candidate, somebody more grown-up than Beto O'Rourke, could actually have knocked him off? Uh, you know, honestly, in this cycle, just based off of what we're seeing and with the national trends as well, I think that this would have been an uphill battle for any Democrat uh, in that seat. But to your point, it certainly doesn't help that Beto O'Rourke had um, a history of saying a, a very far-left positions that he, he especially staked uh, during his presidential campaign a couple of years ago. Uh, certainly some things he said there that, that probably uh, was wishing uh, he could take back. I mean, the reason I ask is because there were certainly some windsock aspects to Greg Abbott's handling of COVID, and you guys reported a lot on this. Um, there were people in 2020 that were very, who had voted for him, who were very unhappy uh, with, he was he was anything but a DeSantis type of, of governor. And, and I, I just wonder if, and again, you're right, it's, it's definitely not a year for, for Democrats, but um, I just wonder if there had been somebody who credibly could have taken him on over that, could they have made a race of it? Yeah, I don't know, you know, and it's an interesting thing to think of. But uh, um, I think that uh, if nothing else, what we've seen from this election cycle, and I'm including the primary as well, uh, where Governor Greg Abbott was challenged uh, by several candidates in that primary, obviously, ultimately uh, came out ahead. Uh, but I think if there's one thing to be said, it's that we've seen the governor be pushed uh, more and more to the right on some of these issues like the border, um, uh, like some of these other issues. And so uh, I think that uh, there, he's made some promises on the campaign trail, talking about uh, property tax relief and eventually property tax elimination, talking about giving you know some of the surplus, getting at least half the surplus back to Texas taxpayers. So uh, I think that he's made a lot of promises here, and I think that uh, that's certainly going to be a, a benefit and something that we're going to continue to follow, especially as the legislative session starts up in just a couple yep. months. TexasScorecard.com, Brandon Waltons. Brandon, thank you. Appreciate having you. Thank you. So are you on the uh, OBJ bandwagon? You know, I guess as a fan, yes. As an analyst of the team, I would say no. You know what's sad? Um, I mean, there's a number of teams that that seem to want him. Um, they're not. No one's talking about Green Bay anymore because things are <laughs> right. so bad there that that wouldn't he that wouldn't help. You know, he he'd have to play like three positions. That that is a total collapse there. Yeah, you can see. I was watching highlights of Rodgers last weekend, just kind of getting a head start on what they're looking like yeah. before Dallas. And you can see the expert. Rodgers is kind of a drama queen, which you know we've heard this for many years. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. can see the expression on his face. His issue, I don't think, is receivers. It's blocking. And if you don't yeah. have that, yeah. you can have Superman at wide receiver, and it's not going to matter. They are more than one piece away yeah. from 
uh, right. fixing that. All right, so we'll see what happens with OBJ. And there are a few other things we're watching tonight. 608 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Uh, election night for the midterms. We're talking about it with you. And we're getting, uh, we're, well, we're awaiting results. Polls are just closing in the first states that close, some of the East Coast uh, states and New England uh, states. Uh, but obviously it's very early. Uh, 210-599-5555. Asking you today uh, on the JR poll, um, how do you think the people in your life are voting? From what you can tell, how are your friends and neighbors voting, coworkers, stuff like that? Because that usually gives us some idea of what the the mood is or the direction is. Do you remember um, when we were closing in on Election Day in 2016, um, we started hearing talk about how dangerous a Trump victory would be to democracy. And we now know that even before the polls closed in November of 2016, the insurance policy right, the the collusion hoax, was already being crafted. So they were already prepared for a possible bad outcome in, in an election where, to be honest, they still had hope that Hillary Clinton would win. Keep that in mind tonight because this same party does not have that same hope. I mean, if you remember election night in 2016 and we were here doing it, not too many people were too sure uh, whether it would be Trump or Clinton. I mean, you can say now, but I'm telling you, back then, it was considered very, very, very close. This is not. So if they were unwilling to relinquish power, if they are able to convince themselves that the country and democracy is on the ballot, that if their opponents win, um, it's it's a it's a threat to democracy. Then you have to know that they've got some kind of insurance policy. This time, and my question, I guess, would be: Well, what is it? What is the insurance policy this time? And see, this time it can't be just about one person. I think that's why we're getting the um, blather about. Uh, it's going to take uh, days or weeks. Uh, we can't uh, count all the votes. You've got to be prepared for this to take a while. And it's it's not about the early voting or the absentee ballots or the mail-in ballots. I, I, I'm sorry, and I and I hate to I hate to say this. I hate to feel this way, but since I feel this way, I'm going to say it. Um, these these people are are going to try something. Because they have been telling you for months that if the Republicans take over, it's the death of democracy. So they will act accordingly after tonight. And what's ironic is they will wind up acting the way they are always accusing other people of acting. They will be the ones to say, this is janky and untrustworthy and these results are not real and they've been hacked and the Russians and um, we, we, we're we going to bring lawsuits and we want recounts and we have lawyers. They're already tweeting about it. They're already talking and tweeting about the resistance to the the likely GOP victory. 
and they're not they're not giving up they're not declaring democracy dead that's what they've been saying for months they're saying we will take the fight to the courts we will take the fight to the streets so they're really a mess they're all over the place but one thing you can be pretty sure of is um if you watched them in 2016 and you know what they did after that election expect something like that in 2022 210-599-5555 i i was Thinking about our conversation with Ed Morrissey, he was talking about how the whole it's the end of democracy thing is not working for people. In the exit polls, that's not even registering as an issue. And um, I find that very encouraging, I I I have to say. You have heard that nonstop for months. You know, I'm a guy that I'll be watching a football game and an ad will come on for pizza and I want pizza. Or an ad will come on for Coca-Cola and I want a Coca-Cola. It doesn't take a lot of them. It doesn't take months and months of pizza advertising. I see one, and it's not even for a very good place, and I'm like, boy, that would be good. I think it's very encouraging if people have been exposed to months of, it's the end, it's the death of democracy, we've only got eight days to save, and you have rejected that, and you are rejecting that. And I think you're rejecting it not because you love the Republicans or you think they're innocents, but because uh, democracy doesn't just die. Democracy is us. Um, And part of believing that one election would, would be the end of democracy is also believing that this is a very weak country, a very weak experiment in human the human condition. In other words, this this thing called America, very fragile, very weak, very wispy, a strong wind could blow it over. That's not how we feel about our country. Uh, that's not the way we see it. That's not what we know. And I, I, whatever happens, whether it's a big wave, a small wave, disappointingly, but I, I just I think people have said that's a bunch of bull. Try something else, and I, and good good for you, and good for us. That people are doing that. Uh, our next guest has seen a few elections in South Texas. He's even running a few of them. Uh, he's the former uh, DA for Bear County and retired Judge Steve Hilbig on our KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line. Judge, good afternoon to you. Well, good afternoon or good evening to you, Jack. Thanks well, for good having evening. me on. You, um, I'd like to ask you if you would first kind of walk us through briefly the the difference in who turns out in midterm elections, which are also governor elections, versus presidential year elections in Bear County, how the how the the turnout turnout profile has historically been different in those two kinds of elections. Sure, and I'll refer to it as gubernatorial or midterm and, and presidential. So historically, the turnout in gubernatorial elections is much smaller, uh, and historically, again, we've had very many swing elections in Bear County, meaning that when Republicans are running in the gubernatorial cycle, that includes the DA, all the county court at law judges, and, and several district court judges, when Republicans run in that cycle historically, almost all of them win. And then in the presidential cycle, 
when the Democrats run, uh, and there are less judgeships open, but there's a sheriff and, and some other positions like that, they win, and usually it's a sweep. That pattern got broke in 2018. In 2018, it was as if the it was a presidential election, and and every contested Republican countywide lost their race. If they if they had somebody running against them, they lost. There were a few Republicans that are still on the benches that didn't have any opposition. So I don't know which way it's going to go. I mean, at seven o'clock, they're going to drop the early vote here in Bear County, and we'll have a good idea of whether or not we're reverting back to the traditional, uh, where there tends to be a better Republican. Uh, effort and, and Republican victories on the gubernatorial side are if it's going to be a repeat of 2018 in the Democrat sweep. Well, do you have any, any theory as to why 2018 was an outlier or a change in that pattern? Was it Donald Trump? Was it, was it something else? I, you know, I, I really don't have a theory. Uh, I, I think that there may be more awareness uh, Historically, what I always felt like was that in the gubernatorial election, you had more people who were more, let's say, interested in the politics. You didn't have the casual voter showed up in the gubernatorial elections because most of the time it's a circumstance where, you know, there's just not as much publicity. You don't, you don't hear everything on TV about, oh, it's your duty to get out and vote because it's not a presidential year. So I always said that it was a, a more of the casual voter or more of the casual voters would turn out in the presidential year because of all of the hoopla concerning it. It may have been Trump. It may have been that the, for lack of a better word, the pressure or, or the constant uh, media uh, reporting on all of the problems that Trump supposedly had and, and you know, the Russian influence and, and all of that. It may have reached down to where the traditional uh, voter who was, I would, uh, again, say more the casual voter, uh, it reached them and they said, well, I better get out and vote this year. So you are a Republican, for folks that don't know, so I understand you're going to have a bias on this question I'm about to ask you. But I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious, I look around the country, Judge, and I see these DA races getting a lot of attention. They're very hot races that, you know, I mean... Not that they they didn't matter before or they haven't always been important, but you know that there's a certain kind of district attorney or district attorney candidate right now uh, who becomes a, a lightning rod. We have that district attorney here in Bear County, and yet that race against uh, Mark LaHood has been not, I mean, it's been deep in the background. It, 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 why is that, and is it maybe because so much emphasis is on control of the Congress, these um, Latina Republican candidates running for the House races, uh, the, the Abbott O'Rourke race, maybe sucking some of the oxygen out of the room. Why is the gonzalez LaHood race not a bigger deal? I, I don't have an answer for you, save and accept. The candidates have to make it a bigger deal. I mean, I will tell you in, in past years, I've talked to candidates that run for DA, and it's kind of like, well, you know, this is what's wrong with my opponent, and the press knows that, but they're not publicizing it. And it's like, it's not up to the press to publicize it. It's up to you to publicize it. You have to have the press conference. You have to, you know, put the information together to make people care. And, and you know, you say I have a natural bias. 
I have a great affinity for the Bear County District Attorney's Office. And I think that the policies that the current district attorney are just bad for our community. And, and again, I, I have no affiliation with Mr. LaHood. I, I really don't know how he's been running the race. But it was up to him to get out there through whatever means, press conferences or uh, you know, trying to get the earned media. Because if you're not able to break through, if it's not a story on the news, then I think a lot of people just don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, it, it, there's an inversion effect, right, where uh, the stuff that gets the most coverage is often the stuff that's really not at where the rubber meets the road. And the races that can actually change your day-to-day life and the experience you have of living in San Antonio or living in Bear County, the, those so-called down-ballot races, that's where your life is lived. That's where real things happen that will matter to you, your family, your neighborhood. Uh, and it's it's unfortunate that we just can't flip that, right? Well, but again, it's up to the candidates. I mean, I was a judicial candidate as well. And, and so you do have a judicial code of conduct, and, and you know, you're, you're supposed to, in essence, not indicate how you're going to rule on things. You can't be critical of, of judges' rulings and so forth. But again, it's kind of like, okay, are you interested? Are you worried about whether or not if your kids get the divorce that you're going to be able to see your grandkids? Well, guess who makes that decision? A district court judge. You know, if you're a businessman and and you've got problems with people breaking into your building, or are they committing and and committing uh, shopliftings, and it's hurting your bottom line because you have this money going out the door, who's going to do something about it? Well, it's the district attorney, but it's also the district court judges who have yeah. criminal cases and what their punishment policies are. So, to a degree, having been a candidate both on a high profile race like district attorney and also for judges. It's really the candidate's responsibility to make people care. And I will tell you, yes, it's extremely hard. Let me stop you right there, because what you just said would get my attention. Can you say those things you just said if you're a candidate? You sure can. Why the hell aren't they saying them? (laughs) Well, they do. I mean, I'll tell a quick story. I went to a, a, a talk that... Newt Gingrich was given in 1994 uh, with another man, and I, w- I went along, and all I heard was the national stuff that in the media that said about Newt. And I heard a talk to talk about the little man, about making people, uh, you know, bettering their lives through their own initiative and helping small businesses and everything. And I walked away from the, the uh, talk, and I, I told my companion, I said, why doesn't he talk that way all the time? Yep. And he says, well, he does, Steve, but nobody nobody reports on it. So that's what I mean, like, especially in the DA's race, in the gubernatorial side, or the sheriff's race, on the presidential side, you've got to create controversy. And, it, and if there's no controversy to create, then maybe you shouldn't be running. But mm. again, with the current DA and the policy being George Soros, I, I certainly would have nationalized this race mm-hmm. and run pictures of what was going on in, in Chicago and L.A. and San Francisco, because those are our Soros uh, DAs. And you're exactly right. We do have that here in town who yep. has policies yep. like, I'm not going to prosecute small amounts of drugs. And I mean hard drugs, heroin, cocaine, so on. Uh, before I let you go, what is your level of optimism as a Republican looking nationally tonight? It, it is so hard to tell. People say that hope is not a strategy. 
And, and you would think at what all's going on uh, economically and socially and, and the turmoil at the border and everything, you would think, how can somebody say, we think these policies are the correct policies? But it, <laughs> people tend to vote on emotion more than on you know, policies. I hate to say it that way. I talked to one lady real quick one time. She says, well, I don't like President Trump. And it's kind of like, why? Well, you know, he, he's a bully and everything else like that. I said, okay, but what about these policies? And then talked about his policies. She says, well, I like no. all those. But I'm still not going to vote for him because, I, you know, emotionally, it's kind of like she couldn't bring herself to do it. Yeah. No, I mean, aesthetics and, and personality, yeah, they're all, they're all part of it. Um, and then there's the whole complicated psychology of when you've been telling people for months that there's going to be a red wave does that work against there being a red wave i I wonder about that i wonder about i don't think so really i mean just real quick yeah i know i interrupted you i apologize but you know if somebody says hey you're going to win it's kind of like dang right we're going to win let's get out and Mm -hmm. vote i I just Mm -hmm. don't think that suppresses voter turnout and you've had i I hope you're right but you got to remember when people think they live in a red state and and it's going to be a red wave. They think, well, it's we're good. I mean, look at that line. I got to get home. Uh, I I hope I'm wrong about that. I want you to be right about this. And and you usually <laughs> are right. So you probably are right on this too. I don't want to be right about it. I'm just saying. I I wonder at the I wonder at the psychological effect of of weeks and weeks of of hearing the repetition. I also wonder we we really don't we really cannot pull a population that pulls its horns in and doesn't like to. Uh, share its its beliefs with strangers. So I think pollsters have even admitted in recent days they're just not sure. They don't think they've got the same level of sophistication they once had. Uh, people don't talk to strangers about their political point of view anymore. So we don't know, right? We won't know until we see the scoreboard, and then we won't all trust that scoreboard because of recent experiences. Well, unfortunately, that the latter is true, but I will tell you, in all my campaigns, and I've been involved in politics, I hate to say this, since 1962, but in all of my uh, involvement with campaigns, I will tell you that I never heard somebody said, we expect to win, so I'm not going to go vote. I, I have good, never good. heard that sentiment from someone. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cling to that. Judge, good to have you with us. Thank you for the time, uh, Judge Steve Hilbig, former Bear County District Attorney and uh, frequent guest of our show. Six thirty nine on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSa. People are still voting here in Texas, but in some states the polls are closed and early numbers are coming in. For the most part, still way too early to call any of the big high profile races that will eventually make the headlines later tonight and tomorrow. But we'll be talking about that and we'll continue our into the night coverage. We're talking a little bit about your experience today voting and. Um, Getting your calls at 210-599-5555. Sean is on KTSA. Hi, Sean. Hey, how you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to tell you straight up, I just voted for the first time in my life because I was never really into politics until I started listening to y'all about a year ago, you know, COVID time. But um, 
I went today and, you know, I like Cassie. So I'm looking through all the computer. I'm going all ours. I didn't see her. And I'm kicking my own butt because I did not bring it up to them that I didn't see Quayart and Cassie on there. But that means you don't live in that you don't live in that district. I live right by SeaWorld, so that's that that's what that means. Because I'm first time voter, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I don't know the district lines. Right. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't know the district lines, but the only house race that you would get would be whatever district you're living in. Okay. See, that's what I didn't get, and I'm yeah. Sorry. So you got the you got the governor, and you got the all the yeah, the county uh, ones, up. but right, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, you said that you started listening uh, to KTSa, and that got you into voting. What made you start to get interested in this stuff in the first place? Well, I mean, like I was never involved, and I was uh, I started listening to y'all during the COVID time, like the shutdown area. And just to listen to y'all to see what is going on, the morning shows, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, just to see what's going on, mask and all that. And then I started listening, and, I'm, and now I'm seeing, like, just more is evil versus good. You know, yeah. that's what I feel like it is now. Do you I'm, feel like you're going to want to keep voting? I mean, is this something you'll keep doing? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm going to continue voting. Yes, good. sir. <laughs> all right. Glad to hear that. Yes. Well, Sean, thanks for the call. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you called. I hope you'll call me again sometime. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. I would love to hear from you again. Thank you. Uh, Rudy is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Rudy, good afternoon. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank uh, I just you. How are you? Comment. Uh, you know, I, I'm doing well. Uh, I I voted early, but uh, I was talking to a colleague today uh, at work, and you know, I was saying today's the last day to vote. Are you going to go out and vote? And he said that. Uh, you know, he thought that the red was already going to win it, so you know they didn't need his vote, and he didn't want to stand in line. So, contrary to what the judge just said, I think that uh, your fear is is, uh, is definitely uh, possible. Uh, and I encourage everyone: if you haven't voted, get there, get in line, stay yep. in line until you get your yep. chance to vote. Yeah, yeah, I I, um, I do worry that I, I'm not sure it's a lot of people, but I do worry that there are people who. Uh, think uh, their vote won't count, and you've got to know that uh, that is the greatest hope of the other side. That is what they are most uh, working for, working toward. I mean, think about the people that are telling you red wave, red wave, red wave. They're all people that don't want one. Right. So is there perhaps a reason why they are repeating that robotically around the clock? I, I just, I wonder. Sure. They're talking about how inconvenient it is. You know, you can be at home. You don't need to do this. Everyone's taking care of this. Right. You're, you're, you're right. going to be fine. The Reds going to win. And, right. uh, you know, I think complacency is our enemy. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's right. Great point, Rudy. Thank you. Thanks for your call. I said this earlier, and I, I do put a lot of faith in this. Whatever happens tonight and then the, the, the days ahead, what has really um, encouraged me and I've waited really for a long time to see this happen, is parents have been activated. I mean, I realize a lot of people are parents, and maybe you have been voting for many years, and you're like, well, Jack, I'm a parent and I vote. But but what's happened since 2020 is that people are reacting to current events and to issues and to politicians as parents first. As parents first. You know, politicians have always cynically tried to invoke our children. 
pass this bill for the children, increase this funding for the children. If you care about children, you'll be for this and against that. They do it very cynically. They try to say that that our children are all of our children. But anyone that's ever been up at night with a kid throwing up or a kid with a fever, anyone that's ever held a little boy or little girl who's crying because their heart's broken, they're not everybody's kid. They're your kid. And what's been going on in the last two years with the exposure of public school curriculum, the teaching of racism, pouring racial animus into the heads and hearts of of little children in public schools, all of the um, ideology that is coming in the back doors of these schools, teachers telling their Students, we're going to talk about your pronouns and your gender. Don't tell your parents. All of the, the, the glimpses and the revelations of this and TikTok and, and, and the distance learning was really the big catalyst. This has created a, a movement where people are reacting as parents. I believe there's a lot of new voters, but I also believe there's a lot of people who, yeah, they voted for before or they voted regularly. But they're voting in a different spirit. Is that you? Are you one of those? And I meet people all the time who say, I, I, I feel differently about this now. I, there was a lot of stuff I took for granted or took on credit. There were a lot of things about public education that I presumed were the same now as when I went to school. And I wish they were, but they're not. And so that's been the, the symbol of this election to me. It's the, activated parent it's the engaged parent it's the parent coming to the school board meeting waiting in line for their three minutes and then delivering from the heart without a script some of the finest words we've ever heard and we've played many of them on this show it's people saying you know what i i might run for that school board next time i never thought i'd do it i know i'm not that's not my my cup of tea but but i might do it why not me I've seen the people that are there. I think I could do better. That's an incredible change that will play out over many elections, not just this one. And it's something to be hopeful about, and I am hopeful about it. The uh, polls will be closing soon in in a number of uh, states, including our own. Uh, And um, then, of course, we will have this prolonged deal with, well, we've got the absentee and the mail-in and the early, and we've got disputed this, and it's going to take... And and, and I asked the question yesterday, um, should we be okay with that? Like, we're very impatient. We live in an on-demand world, and we've gotten used to things instantaneously. We... We want to watch our shows right when we want them. We don't wait for them to come on or the night that they're on. Or we, we live in a world of instant food, instant drink, instant entertainment, instant information. Um, and yet there's something very contrary about what they tell us about elections. You're going to have to be patient. You're just going to have to wait. I look around the world. I don't see other countries doing that. And I think about what the waiting means. Does the waiting mean you just don't have enough people or you don't have the technology? Does the waiting mean rigging it? 
does the waiting mean trying to see how many votes you need to quote unquote find? Because if you wait, you can know what you need to do, right? How do you feel about that? 210-599-5555. The fact is, there's just going to be a lot of races tonight. We will not we will not know. You will go to bed whenever you go to bed. You won't know. It didn't used to be that way. And you can say, well, we got a lot of, we got more people, Jack. You know, when, when you're, you're, you're talking about a time when the country was 200 million people, now it's 330 million people. Okay, fine. But we also have a lot more technology. 210-599-5555. At one point, it seems that the attack on Paul Pelosi was going to be, uh, in essence, an attack on Republicans. It was their fault. And they shouldn't even run campaign ads mentioning Nancy Pelosi because of what happened to him. She did an interview with um, CNN's Anderson Cooper, Nancy Pelosi did. It's the first interview she's done since uh, the attack on her husband, who is now out of the hospital and recuperating. Um, I want to play part of this uh, for you. This is Nancy Pelosi describing how she found out what had happened. Take a listen to this. Where were you when you when you got the news? Well, I was sleeping in Washington, D.C. I had just gotten in the night before um, from San Francisco. And the um, I hear the doorbell ring and think, it's five-something. I look up, I see it's five. Who, they must be the wrong apartment. No, it rings again. And then bang, 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 bang on the door. So I run to the door and... I'm very scared. I see this Capitol Police, and they said, we have to come in to talk to you. And I'm thinking, my children, my grandchildren. I never thought it would be Paul, because, you know, I knew he wouldn't be out and about, shall we say. And so um, uh, they came in at that time. We didn't even know where he was or what his condition was. We just knew there was an assault on him in our home. And now they were taking him to a hospital, which turned out to be San Francisco General, which is a leading trauma center. Thank God they went there. It wasn't the closest. We have hospitals a few blocks away. It wasn't the closest, but it was the right place to go for that. I want to say, on the most basic level, these are human beings, and I I have no animus toward them. She sounds like a, a deeply distraught, wife I, I hate that this happened i don't know what happened but i hate that this happened what has been amazing though is the complete cluster bleep of journalism and politics that this whole thing has turned into and and i i i don't know yet if that happened because it always was meant to be or because it really happened, but then they decided to make it into something, if you follow me. But we've had several walkbacks of reporting. We played the NBC News story a few days ago. They did a long, live, exclusive report on the Today Show, their, their flagship broadcast at NBC News, and then proceeded to rip it off their website and memory hole it like it never happened, saying only that the report which they had aired now was not up to their standards. We've seen the attempts to frame this attacker 
as a card-carrying member of the conservative movement or the right wing or Team MAGA, none of which is true or even remotely believable. Um, and I, I think in a way the the Paul Pelosi story is kind of the story of this election. Obviously something happened, but it's buried in an avalanche of posturing and spin and, um, you know, framing, I guess is the word now that everybody likes to use. And you can say, well, fog of war was a developing story, but they, they're the ones that rushed to judgment on it. And I wonder if they've done that with the issues in this election, too. 